Hi, welcome to In the Pacha, where I, Sam Reinstein, have conversations with different educators about the weekly Torah portion. This week for Parshat Vatchanan, I have Dovi Nadel. Hey, Dovi. Hey there, Sam. How's it going? Happy to be here. Yeah, good. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks. Excited to share some Torah with everybody. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I know you from, uh, you know, a little back, um, some from TNAC a little bit, and, and mostly from Cam Stone. Uh, but uh, would you mind introducing yourself to everyone else? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Sam uh, was actually, you were my Rosh Beit Midrash back in the day in Camp Stone, so it's fun to, to be learning Torah together again. Um, right now, I'm, I'm finishing up Smicha this summer, um, and I'll be teaching full-time at SAR High School this coming year. And I also uh, run the Chidona Tanakh uh, for, for North America. Um, cool. Which Do you is- mind? Do you mind explaining what that is? For yeah, them? sure. It's it's a national Bible contest where uh, there's basically a curriculum um, where kids study portions of Tanakh over the course of the year, uh, culminating in a, a national event, um, generally in New York. And the winners of that competition actually go off to an international competition in Israel, um, which happens every year in Yom Ha'atzmaut. So it's this whole international Bible contest. So I, I run the American American portion of it. It's a lot of fun. It's a great cool. program. Amazing. Um, and in which grade are you teaching in uh, SAR? SAR, it's going to be uh, ninth and tenth grade. It's just oh, one of my yeah, it's high school, and it's they're they're a fun bunch of kids. I've been involved already with the school and know a lot of the kids there, so I'm pretty excited to be teaching Safer Shmot to ninth graders there, teaching Masechet Kedushin to tenth grade. Um, you know, teach, teaching kids makes me think about all the material I've learned before in totally new ways. So it's going cool. to be fun. Awesome, and and, and again for those that. Don't know. Um, SAR is a is a Jewish modern Orthodox um, day school in Riverdale. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, cool. Um, so as usual, um, to start off, we're I'm gonna try to give a 30 second um, introduction summary of the parsha, and then we'll we'll have two different conversations about about uh, different parts of it. Um, there's lots of different pieces in Vayetzchanan. Good luck with 30 seconds. It's a tough yeah. one with this Parsha. <laughs> okay. This week's Parsha, Vetchanan, continues Moshe's long final speech. Moshe continues his attempt to impress upon the Israelites the importance of God's commandments, the rewards which will result from obeying God's words, and the punishments they will incur if they neglect to do so. Here we learn about Israel's unique nature with God, the Torah's wisdom, and the necessity of giving it over to the next generation. Moshe recounts the story of the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai and repeats the Ten Commandments, but reminds B'nai Israel that it is not only for those that were physically present. Moshe designates the city of refuge, where inadvertent murderers can run, and the portion also contains the Shema. Okay. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So I am, I, you know, I mean, no pressure, but, you know, somebody that's running Chidon Tanach. Um, I'm fascinating to uh, fascinating to hear um, what you what you were thinking about when you were reading Parshat Benchanan. All right, sounds good. And I, I and, and I know uh, it's hard to pick something in this week's Parsha between no. everything that you just mentioned. But I'm I'm going to stick to to one thing that that really immediately stuck out, um, Sam, when you asked me to do Benchanan. Um, and it goes back to a, an amazing high school teacher of mine, Rabbi Eliezer Akon Zichronoli Vracha. He used to write. Um, he used to write for the Jewish News in Detroit, like every couple weeks. Um, and after he passed away, somebody compiled all of his divrei Torah, 
Um, and I was reading through his Divrei Torah on Parshat Ve'etchanan, and one thing just stuck out super clearly. Every single year, and this is over 40 years of him writing for the Jewish News, uh, four or five times he wrote for Parshat Ve'etchanan, <laughs> and he gave the same Dvar Torah every time, and it was literally a Dvar Torah, in the sense that all he did was quote the Torah and nothing else. He didn't add any words, no embellishments, didn't come with anything creative. He just quoted three or four verses, which clearly just meant so much, just taking them on their own. So, huh. I, and, they, and they weren't create, and it wasn't Shema. It was a different right. part of this week's Parsha. <laughs> so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read um, a portion of, of that in, in English first, and then, then in Hebrew, and then uh, maybe we'll delve into them a little bit. So cool. he said, the, he said yeah. the following. He said, and you, those that remain close to the Lord your God, are all alive today. See. I have taught you statutes and judgments as the Lord my God commanded me to do them in the midst of the land that you are coming there to possess. Keep them and do them, for they are your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of nations that will hear of these statutes. And they will say, so wise and understanding is this great nation. For what great nation is God close to, like the Lord our God is close to us whenever we call to him? And what great nation has righteous statutes and judgments like all of this Torah that I place before you today? In Hebrew, paraphrasing the most important part of it, In other words, when we do the mitzvot or follow God's commandments, um, non-Jews are, are going to say, well, these guys are, are really, really smart. They're really onto something. Um, just before you move forward, yeah. um, for, for people that... Um, that aren't looking at the text right now, where, where is that found? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's in Parak Dalid, um, Psukim Hey through Zion. Um, so this is part of Moshe's 37-day Dvarim speech, but it's right there. Parak Dalid, Hey, hey through so Zion. Chapter 4, 5 through 7. There you go. There you go. Okay, um, cool. And yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd open it up to, to you, Sam, and to everybody listening. Um, I, it, I, this is this was my rabbi would say he would literally just quote these psukim over and over again like this is what Judaism is is all about you need nothing more as Rabbi Yoel Benun likes to say mikra meaning the psukim themselves are speaking and at first glance they're a little peculiar because like what do I need other people like is it shouldn't I my identity come from myself why do I need other people to say how how smart. Uh, what it is that I'm doing is like, uh, yeah. I don't know, like it's, it should come for me. I don't know. Um, so right. you should have like internal self-esteem on. Yeah, what yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Like, well, why, where's it, why does it have to come from him? They're saying, Oh, it's so smart what they're doing. No, we know what we're doing is smart. Um, so that's one of the questions that, that bugs me a little bit here. And then there's other elements um, that I find peculiar here is what is it um, that we're doing that is so smart? Meaning, what is it that we're doing that really sticks out um, as as prominent as something unique um, about the, the Jewish the Jewish people? Um, so I'll I'll offer a couple thoughts that come to mind um, when I'm thinking about it. But again, it's almost like just meditate on the words, and I think this could take you in a lot of different directions. Um, and I'm not really going to go into the parshanut. I'm just going to kind of read the psukim and say what they 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 say to me. Um, so I think one thing um, that that sticks out when you're reading uh, Pasuk um, Zion specifically, um, one of the reasons that uh, these laws are wise is just because when people analyze them and people 
think about the actual laws that God gave us, they're gonna, and this is something that Ibn Ezra says, the Ramban says, but without quoting them inside, they'll still say like, well, the mitzvot, the commandments that God gave us are actually really intelligent. Meaning they're really, it's a really intelligent law system. When people look at our law system, they'll say, that's, that's really smart. Um, and I, I think what's important about it, though, is it's not just the laws themselves are wise, but they'll see that the laws themselves are wise through the people that are actually practicing them. Right. Um, and that's, uh, that's like a kind of lesson number, number one that I kind of learned from these psukim. So, yeah, right, go ahead. So you mean like it's, it's, it's not necessarily that they'll look at Hilcho Kashu, um, the law, the dietary laws, and they'll say, wow, it's so amazing that, uh, there are dietary laws. Um, but rather it's like the type, the type of people that are keeping these diet, like, sorry, the, the. The lessons we learn from the dietary laws will make us into people that they will look at and say, "Oh wow, uh, yeah, because really there's something going on here." Right, because Sam, like, what do you, you expect? Like somebody um, who's not, you know, in Judaism to open up the Shulchan Aruch and say, "Wow, these are amazing laws." Like, no, it's it's the it's the people who are living a life connected to these laws and people see them they say like oh following torah mitzvot clearly you know affects these individuals as a, as overall and like they really seem to be doing something right um and i i really i really connect um to that um so that's that's one way of looking at it um i i throw, i could go into number two um yeah. Yeah, and another one that uh, another way of looking at the Psukim, um, and it says this in the Psukim itself, is uh, in Pasuk Zayin, Kimi Goy Gadol Asher Lo Elohim Krovim Elav. Um, that it's not just about the fact that we keep the laws, but it's that the fact that we keep the laws um, somehow demonstrates that God has a specific um, relationship with us that every time we call out to him he responds to us there's something unique about the way that god interacts with us in history um and that brings to mind all of these i don't know if i have to go through all these these famous quotes by like non-jews like from from tolstoy to twain looking at the survival of the of the jewish people um but that they, they always say there's, there's something unique about the way that we've We've made it through history, something unique about God's relationship with his people. Um, and that's another way of, I think, looking at these psukim. The first one is more about like the individual characters that come out. And the other one is more on the, on the level of, of, of nationhood or history that, we're, that there's some unique relationship that the people say, hmm, these people must be doing something right and God must have some special relationship with them. It's a second right. way of... Second and and that's, at that's almost separate even from like whether or not we're good. It's like just our survival even. Um, yeah, like just our survival itself says something about the Jewish people. Um, absolutely. Um, and then there's, there's a, a, third, a third way of looking at it. Um, I can keep on going. Um, yeah. And that, that's earlier on, it says in, in these Tsukim, it's Pasuk Hei specifically, it says, mm-hmm. Look, I've c- given you these commandments. To do Bekerev Haaretz, which means literally in the, the midst of the land. Um, and the Ramban, um, one, is, one of his famous Pirushim, Pirushim to Chukimu Mishpatim, 
is that it's not necessarily talking about um, mitzvot that we do, like putting on, let's say, tzitzit or hilchot kashrut, but it's actually more talking about uh, creating an infrastructure and a legal system for an overall society or nation. And here he brings this up as well, that when it talks about doing something really smart and intelligent, it's not talking about it on the individual level, not even talking about it on the historical level, but it's actually talking about it in terms of like nationhood. That when you create a nation um, whose chukimu mishpatim, whose whose laws and and customs are are noteworthy, um, that's the way of of really creating a kiddush Hashem. It's not through individuals, but it's through the community. So I, I, I in my mind, it's it's nice to think about this. It's like you know. You could go around and like put on tefillin at an airport and have a good conversation with somebody about what it means to follow mitzvot. And that's like as an individual, you're showing people that like these mitzvot are really smart. Um, or even just have a good menschlichkeit type of conversation with somebody while you're wearing a kippah on your head. Um, or you could be part of, you know, uh, a country like the state of Israel or an incredible community. And through that kind of have a an impact, not through you, who you are as an individual, but through what your your community um, represents. Right. Yeah. And in the in that pasuk in five, do you think it's talking about like in the land of Israel, or is it talking about um, like in the land in which you live? Because it uh, so, also says the Karavaret in the midst of the land. Yeah. So I think I think I'm I'm may, maybe being a little bit liberal on the reading. Um, yeah. I think at this point in Dvarim, like you know, the Jews after four, after a forty year delay uh, or rerouting, they're finally making their way to Israel. And I think here Moshe Rabbeinu is definitely giving them um, directives specific to the way they can manifest their destiny um, in the land of Israel. But I think you know, a contemporary reading. Two of yeah. us sitting in Manhattan can say the care of arts and the communal impact that we can have um, can also, in some ways, exist outside of the land too. Interesting, and, cool. Um, and I and I think I, I do see that. Um, first of all, I definitely see that on the Israel side, right? right? Like, there's such like a focus on Israel. I mean, for good and bad, um, that like you really do feel this. Like people are like looking at Israel yeah. and and you know, kind of. Um, defining certain like moral failings or moral um, um, like positive things um, based on what people are doing in that land, but as a nation, not as people. Right. Like, it's right. Relevant what like the average Israelis is doing, but it's like what the nation is doing. Like what is Israel doing? Yeah. And that's definitely true about the Jewish community as well. I mean, I, I see that um, I've done some interfaith work here, um, mostly with the Muslim community um, in Brooklyn and I definitely see that, like they, like they, there is an interaction with. There might not be as much of an interaction with specific people, but they definitely see how the communities interact with each other, and the communities interact with the government. And definitely, um, there's a big kiddush or hill Hashem to be made um, on that level as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, Sam, even using those words, I could have started this the, this conversation in that way. Because um, when you talk about they said, what does it matter what um, the what other people think about us? And like saying, like perhaps that's the whole purpose. Like we don't do mitzvot just for ourselves. I mean, hopefully we're doing mitzvot so that other people. You know, this is like the particularism leading to universality. Mm. Like so, we doing we're doing mitzvot 
so that we can make a Kiddush Hashem and people could see um, the way a godly people is supposed to kind of uh, uh, live um, on this earth. So like those framings, like it's like what we're all about is Kiddush Hashem. And of course we want other people to think that we're smart because we're doing mitzvot, not for ourselves, but for, for, for the world. I really, I really like that phrasing. Um, should I offer one more, one more read? Yeah, sure. All right. So this is, this was one, one of the ones that Rabbi Cohn would read this in a variety of different ways. But one of the ways I remember him saying this to me, um, was is that Judaism and not everybody's going to agree with this, but this is the way I look at it. Um, and he, the way he definitely looked at it is Judaism isn't supposed to be superstitious. You got to be real. Like you got to be a normal person. The fact that you're like, you're keeping, you know, Kashrut or you're keeping Shabbat and that creates, put certain restraints in the way you can interact with society doesn't mean that you have to, to shut yourself off from the world or to be peculiar or, or different. It's that you should keep your own laws, but at the same time, you should be, should be a real person that can interact with everybody in the world and you shouldn't be shutting yourself off, off from the world. Um, it's def- like a, definitely have like a modern right. orthodoxy um, <laughs> a vibe to it, but it always really resonated with me in terms of having a very down-to-earth philosophy of Judaism, which means we we keep our halacha, which makes us unique, and but at the same time, we're we're people who can really uh, we 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 can be relatable, we can be personable, and I, and and I think that even plays into two of the different things you said. Like on the yeah, one yeah. hand, it's like the national thing, which you um, can't only have, which you which you kind of need to be somewhat separate as a nation, right? But on the same yeah, time, yeah. it's that personal one that you talked about first um, that you also can't have if you're like completely separate. So in order to have it mm-hmm. on those two levels, you kind of need uh, the the you know the being within the yeah. b- within the world. Yeah, and when I, when I say it's a Dvar Torah, right? Like it's literally just read the words of the Torah. Um, like I, I think everything that we've said, like all of those things, I kind of relate to this pasuk, and in my mind, it's just like. You know, Shema is super important, but this 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 one is up there in terms of like what our purpose is as a, as a Jewish people or trying to accomplish with like our mitzvot. Cool, yeah. amazing. Um, so I'm going to segue um, to something that happens later in the parsha. Um, and there's is again, yeah, as you said, it's so hard to do this parsha just because it's like lots of different things that a big portion of it is just lots of different like nuggets of wisdom. Yeah. That Moshe's just telling. Well, I almost, I almost feel it's like Moshe's like frantically trying to get everything in before right. he's gone. You know, right? So it's like a bad TV show finale where they just throw <laughs> everything at you. You know, yeah. here's the answer to this. Here's the answer yeah, to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah, um, but like, but yeah, it's definitely like lots of interesting stuff. So it was hard to pick. Um, so I just decided to go for the, low, I guess, low-hanging fruit somewhat, because um, there's a portion of this that uh, like is in the liturgy twice a day, um, some maybe three times a day, depending on um, if you say it all, all the way early at the beginning of davening. Um, but the beginning of Shema, um, yeah. you know, you know, the those psukim um, are at the beginning of chapter six, um, verse four and five, or I guess verse four through nine, um, and. It starts Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, um, Hero Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one, and that 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 pasuk, that sentence has become ubiquitous um, in just in Jewish lore about like saying it right before you die and like being I mean, the sentence that like holoc- 
like kids that were given away at, in the Holocaust, like remembered and came back. Well, that's a famous story. That's the way they write. They, uh, uh, who was it, Rav, Rav Herzog? I don't remember who it was, but he put, he said Shema Yisrael and all the kids immediately reacted by putting their, their hands over their eyes. Oh, wow. Like show. It was right. so deeply ingrained that, that they knew to do that, you know? Right. And so, uh, oh, awesome. Wow, we were on the same wavelength there. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, but I, I wanted to focus on the next Pasuk. Um, the next Pasuk is also a famous one. And you shall love the Lord your God. Um, can I just ask you to translate that? Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, There's definitely a setup here. Yeah, there, it is uh, a yeah, setup. I, I'll go for it. Um, yeah. And you should... Um, actively love your God um, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your, I'll take the rabbinic way, and with all of your money. Um, okay, cool. Right. So I, I think that's normally how you translate it. I mean, meodecha in, in the JPS has with all of your strength, but right, oh, rabbinic, right, rabbinically it's all of your possessions. But I, I think that's um, pretty standard. Levavka literally means heart. Lev is actually my son's Hebrew name and um, means heart. Bechol navshicha is like soul, your nefesh, um, your, your soul, and bechol meodecha. And when I was first looking at this Pasuk, the question I had is like, how in the world can God tell us to like love him? Or how, how can Moshe tell us to love God? Like that doesn't, I don't, I don't know really what that means. Uh, because you kind of can't tell somebody to like have a feeling. Um, I can tell like my son to like say, I love you to people, but I don't even know if he really knows what that means. Uh, yeah. And um, because he's younger than two and uh, like, how can, I can't tell him you have to love your mother, your grandmother, or, uh, you know, it. you know, like that doesn't mean, I, I don't know. I've always had trouble with this Basak and like a lot of commentaries uh, ask this question. Um, anything you've heard before that yeah. you particularly liked? Um, yeah, one thing that I that that I loved um, from uh, Donnie Bauer um, said this one to me. Uh, so I'll quote it in his name. I can't remember who he was quoting it in the name of. Um, okay. But there, there's this talk that love love is a verb, um, specifically here, but in general. Um, when you say I love you, it means something, but in general, a lot of the way you show love is through actions. Um, so here it's actually, in this pasuk, the way I always related to it is, is you should do um, actions which demonstrate your love. And through those actions which demonstrate your love, you grow to love. Um, you grow to love God. And that's the rest of, of Shema, in a way, is like all of these things that you should do part of your routine as right. part of your actions to love them. So um, I, I, I definitely, that's like where I'm going to. Um, got it. I definitely think that's where it is, but I think the rest of the Pasuk actually answers like how that process comes to be about. Oh, nice. um, but you have to translate it differently. Um, okay. So I'm going to go a little, I'm not sure if this is old school or whatever, um, but a little like uh, historical, I guess. Um, so if you look up each of these words in Akkadian, um, so Akkadian is a um, is an ancient language that uh, like is a somewhat of a contemporary of Hebrew, but maybe even like pre. I mean, forgetting about like the biblical like Hebrew was used to to like build the world, but like this is a language that was spoken before Hebrew was um, you know spoken 
um, like let's say by Avram and things like that. Um, and so a lot of times when you find a translation of something in Akkadian, um, it can give like context to what it means in Hebrew. Um, because the way we translate, way you translated it is the way we would translate it in modern Hebrew, right? Lave is heart in modern Hebrew. Nefesh right. is soul in modern Hebrew. Meldecha is might. And, and okay, the rabbis explain that it's possessions. Right. But, but uh, you know, that's more modern. Um, if you go biblical, though, the way to, a way to know that is in Akkadian. So, I love um, when people do this. If only yeah. I was a fluid in Akkadian, I'd have all these insights. Right. Yeah. So Dr. Tawil has a dictionary. Um, he's a professor at YU, um, where we both went. So yeah. that makes it easier. I don't know why I bought this in the sperm sale, but I did one year. Um, <laughs> but it's coming in handy right now. Coming in handy so, right now. So Lavavcha. Um, Lave, which we translated as heart, is one translation in Akkadian, but a different translation of Lave is to be loyal. Um, so it could be that Behol Levavcha is with all your loyalty. Hmm. Um, so meaning like the way you start out loving God is just being loyal to God um, and being saying like and making a commitment. Um, and even though that commitment um, might be fake um, on some level because you don't actually mean it but like making that commitment on some level like allows for it to progress um it's somewhat like how you marry somebody and you you love them but you make a commitment to them and that love is able to like grow and exponentiate um because of that commitment that you made um and as your marriage grows and and um and goes forward um Interesting. Also, so you're saying that these are like the foundations or ingredients that are going to lead to love. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, as a, as a somewhat newly married person, I guess you've been, you've been married for, are you still in your first year or no? A year and a half in, so real okay. experience. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a real experience. Great. Um, so hopefully um, that's happening, you know, like that, uh, that, that loyalty breeding, breeding it. Um, nefesh um, in modern Hebrew definitely means soul, but in, um, in Akkadian and Biblical Hebrew, sometimes it means your throat. Um, and you see that in Yonah. Um, it says the water got up to his throat, um, and then he jumps out uh, up to his nafesh. Um, uh-huh. So in Biblical Hebrew, nafesh definitely means throat. And so, yeah, and that's been used in the Gemara in, um, in Tani. Um, in the Talmud, the rabbis learn, Bechol nafshecha, oh, it must be talking about prayer. And that doesn't make sense. How does your soul relate to prayer? But if it means throat, that makes like oh, wow. a lot of sense, yeah. right? So, okay, so you're loyal to God. You, you through your talking, you, um, you know, you, um, you pro- profess or you pray to God. And the third, I think the rabbis are getting at this idea, me'odecha doesn't just mean might, but it also comes from like the word me'od. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're more. You're more of, yeah. um, and a lot of times I think what God's asking us to do here is give from our money, from our possessions, but not the possessions that we need. The possess- possessions that are the more possessions, you know, like the extra possessions. The possessions not that we need for food and shelter, but like after that to use our money um, and to do our actions um, and to put like our loyalty and money where our, our money where our mouth and loyalties lie um and i i think what this pasuk is saying is that like that breeds love you know what i mean if you're if you 
if you're loyal to somebody, you make a commitment, you keep on giving verbal, you know, you have so many verbal interactions and you give of your, of what you have, um, that like breeds, breeds love. And I think I very much see this with like a child, but I see this with marriage and I think I see this with a community. Uh, I don't know if you can relate to those three things or any of yeah, them. Yeah, like uh, there's so, the book, it's the five languages of love. Right. So, so here we've got the three. Here we've got the right. three. So, Oh, nice. Right. Yeah. But I think three of them are, I mean, certainly two of them, right? Like um, one of them is verbal affirmation. Um, so um, that you give of your, um, of your throat um, and like um, gifts and gifts are definitely there. Um, yeah. It's definitely there. And I don't know, maybe loyalty is quality time. I, I don't know. I'm, that's a little bit of a stretch, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I will, I will throw out one more thing and you, you did gloss yeah. over, um, one word, which comes up three times, um, the word kol, right? Because he could have said, ah. um, maybe, maybe right. not. But it seems like there's something very important about kol. I think that this crops up in ashray too. If you ever count the amount of times the word kol comes up in ashray, there's definitely something mm-hmm. to it. But right. there's something about doing like all of your being. There's something about like, like not doing things, here, literally, there's a great word, half-heartedly, right? Doing it wholeheartedly. <laughs> wholeheartedly. Um, Whole loyalty. I, yeah, there, there's, there's, some, there's, something, there's something to that. Um, that I that I always meditated on. Can I can I just throw in one more Livavecha yeah. thing? Yeah, sure. I just I, I love this one. I, I also I don't remember who I heard this from, but in the next pasuk it says Asher Anochi Mitzavcha Hayom Al Livavecha, right? That I command you today on your heart. Shouldn't it be Bilvavcha in mm. your heart, right. not on your heart? Um, so I think this goes to maybe also um, your question. Um, Maybe I heard the following idea: Olive of Ha, you've got to you've got to work through the routines of putting things on your heart, so that when you're ready and your heart is open, it's ready for it to fall right in. Mm-hmm. Which I just found to be very insightful in terms of like you do these routines, you do these um, uh, uh, mechanics of, of of trying to demonstrate love to God, and then there are moments of inspiration where you've done all the preparation and those things which are just resting right there can fall, fall right in. So I think that's and that, perfect. and that might be where like why love and heart might have the same meaning because like those two are so connected, right? If you're loyal to something, it really yeah. goes into your heart um, as time goes on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I like that read. Um, um, it's great that we meditate on this every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, Good choice by Chazal. Yeah, but I but I think sometimes people just say, you know, you say it fast. You're not actually thinking about it. So I I, I also think it's good to once in a while actually meditate on it. Yeah, I, I hear that. And this is what we're, this is the, right. That this is the first the the one thing we're supposed to have kavana for every day, and hopefully right. we have a little bit more kavana on that now too. The levavcha thing is definitely interesting. Um, cool. Um, so Dovi, thank you so much for coming on. Um, uh, I hope I hope this was fun for me for you. It was fun for me to have you to talk to her with you again after all that yeah, after all these years. This is great. Uh, and um, for those listening, um, continue to to subscribe and um, and listen to the next episodes of In the Pacha. Bye. Great. Thanks, Sam.